0: Galatians chapter 1. We're going to continue our study in this wonderful book. We'll read verses 11 to 16 together. Scripture says in verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversations in times past in the Jewish religion how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jewish religion above many mine equals in mine own nation being more exceedingly, exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Meadly I conferred not with flesh and blood. So he didn't consult anybody. He just went out and preached the gospel. He went out and preached about Christ. And today I look at, I, I'd like us to finish looking at verse 16. We, we looked at a little bit of it last week. And I'd like to just look at a phrase that's in this. That I might preach him among the heathen. That I might preach him among the heathen. Look at Look at verse 11 when it says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Here we see the, the rise of the gospel within, within Paul's life. He says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Note the gospel of salvation in Christ. It, it's not man-based. It's not man-made. Its origins come from God. God. It's God's gospel, isn't it? It's his gospel. It's his gospel. And it's concerning his son, isn't it? It's concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the immutable gospel. And think of that. It can't be after man because it's immutable. It doesn't change. Everything we do in religions of this world, they change things all the time. One of the things that turned my dad off from the Catholic Church is is one one minute they said you could do this, and the next minute they said you couldn't do this. Like eat meat on Fridays. He said, you know, he even though he was religious but lost, he he held to that. He ate fish every Friday until they changed it to where you could eat whatever you want. Well, he just didn't think that was right. And you know what? He had a point, didn't he? he had, even though we know that you don't have to follow food practices that way, um, for your salvation. But uh, that things with men change. But the gospel is unchanging. It's concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. It's called the everlasting gospel, isn't it? It's, it, and it, it finds its roots in eternity. When God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit covenanted to save a people by by their mercy and their grace. It's not of human invention. It's... Even its character is divine. Even its character is divine, beloved. Its content... Its content is divine. The gospel is the message of God's mercy to sinners. God's unmerited, unearned mercy towards we who are sinners. Who are undeserving of that mercy. And it's a message... Think of this, too. It's a message of a completed work. There's nothing for man to do. See, man-made religion is always about what we have to do. But the gospel says it's finished by our master's own words. And remember, when we looked at that Greek word, it's it's to be completed to perfection. It's absolutely finished. It's perfect. You can't get it. You can't add anything to perfection, can you? Especially perfection... Performed and obtained by a perfect man, by a sinless man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what it is? It's a a salvation perfectly finished for God's elect. It's already done. I preach about a gospel that's already done. A salvation that Christ has obtained for his people. I proclaim to God's people and to God's sleeping elect who will be regenerated in God's timing by the power of the Holy Spirit a completed, finished work. Now that brings a sinner joy, doesn't it? That brings this sinner joy because there's nothing I have to do. It's wonderful. I just have to look to Christ. Christ. And it also, the immutable gospel also opposes man's pride. It leaves no room for man to boast in anything. And therefore it offends the pride of man. It slays the pride of man, doesn't it? It opposes human pride and it gives no place for sin, does it? No. No. It says the cell that sinneth it must die. The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. That's talking about a soldier's script that was given to them each month. In the Greek that payment is a is is a soldier's wage that they earned. They earned it. See, we earned you know what we earned? We earned wrath and judgment. That's what we earn by our sin. We we are we, we've earned the fact that God could pour out His wrath upon us because we've rightfully earned it. but you see what happens for God's people? We don't get that, do we? We receive mercy. We receive grace, you know why? Because that payment due us, see, that payment that was justly due us fell upon our sinless Savior, fell on him. And he cried, beloved, it is finished. And that's what the gospel, I preach a finished, a finished work, good news. The gospel is glad tidings, isn't it? That's glad tidings for, for sinners, isn't it? The work's done. Our, our wages, our deserving, have been blotted out. So that there's the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. That's what we deserved, right? Death. Wayne Boyd deserves death. The the law of God and the justice of God said. And Christ said, I'll pay it all. Put your name in there. Oh, my. And God's people are bought and paid for. Redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. Even the conception of the gospel of God's free grace is divine. Because it it comes from God's, it it, it originates with God in eternity. With no human intervention. No human intervention at all. And also think of this, the gospel of God's free grace, the one true gospel proclaims a righteousness that comes from another. As the old-time preachers used to say, an alien righteousness, because it's not ours. All our righteousness is what? Filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord, isn't it? But what what did God say about his son? This is my son. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. So anyone in him, he's well pleased with him. Did a drop? Did a drop of rain fall on Noah or his family in that ark? Not a not a drop, not a drip, not a not a even little microcosm of water fell through that, right? And that that, wrath, that rain, that represented the wrath of God. And it beat upon that ark, didn't it? It beat, it beat upon that ark, eh? Oh, it beat upon the ark, didn't it? That ark represents Christ. God's wrath and judgment beat upon the ark, beat upon the ark of our safety, the Lord Jesus Christ. And where are we safe? In Christ under the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember that pitch that they pitched the ark with to seal the ark? That represents the blood of Christ, beloved. We're sealed up. We're sealed up in Christ so that not a drop of God's wrath will ever touch us. Never. Oh, what a Savior we have. See, this is a, this is a gospel of divine origin, isn't it? Man would never think this up. A king would never, man, man would never think that a king would die for all his servants. Man would never think of that. And oh, the humility when God left, when God the Son left glory. Oh, the humility to come to this sin-cursed world and to be, become bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. Oh, the humility, beloved. And yet he did it willingly. And see, this is the gospel Paul preached and proclaimed, isn't it? This is the one true gospel. Salvation in and through Christ alone. No other way. And note in verse 12 the reception of the gospel. Look at at Paul says, "I, I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. God revealed the gospel to him. He didn't consult Peter and James and John. Now later on he went and saw them, but he didn't at first. No, he was taught the gospel. By God Himself, and some one may say, "Well, preacher, we realize that the gospel is from God, and, and, and its origin is is in God." But but we claim that its reception is of man. No, it's not. Thy people shall be made willing in the day of thy power. Even the reception of the gospel is of God, beloved. Because in our natural state, we don't want to have anything to do with that gospel. But oh, now, tell me, keep telling me this good news (laughs) about what Christ did for me. Tell me about my wonderful, merciful Savior. He's the only one I want to hear about. He's so wonderful. So Paul did not receive this gospel from his parents. He did not receive receive it from from Gamaliel, his teacher. He did not receive it from the other apostles. He didn't even receive it of his own free will, did he? No, he was going off to kill Christians, wasn't he? That was what his will, his will was tied to his nature. And his nature, and deep down in his nature, he hated Christ. He hated the people of the way. And all he wanted to do was waste the church. Remember that conversation, his manner of life? So that was his manner of life. That was his drive in life. Was to wipe the church from the face of the earth. Well someone then say well how did if, if paul didn't receive it of his own will and he wasn't a, a um, if it wasn't of his origin that he that he said yeah i'm going to i'm going to take that. how did he receive it by revelation of God? How do we receive the gospel by revelation of God not the same way Paul did, but we sure do when the Holy Spirit illuminates our the scriptures doesn't he and, and teaches us the things of Christ and gives us eyes to see and ears to hear we go Oh, my gosh. He's my Savior. Because we've been we've been made willing in the day of his power, again, salvations of the Lord. It's of his planning. It's of his execution. And it's of, he finishes it all, doesn't he? Because he's going to take us home to glory one day. He who begun a good work in you will finish it. He's going to finish it. And that, that finishing is us up in glory with no sin. Oh, that'll be glorious, won't it? So there's only one way in which men will receive the gospel by the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's only by the sovereign, illuminating work of the Holy Spirit that the dark abyss of our minds, the dark abyss of our hearts, right, were made new creatures in Christ. Were born again by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, and given faith to believe. We were in such darkness, we didn't even know the darkness we were in. And what's happened? The light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has shined in our hearts, hasn't it? And I'll tell you what, you've been praising his name ever since, right? Just like me. Isn't that amazing? That's a work of God, beloved. That's a miracle of God's grace. Oh, my. Now let's go back to verse 16 here. And we see that this phrase in verse 16, that I might preach them among the heathen. Now, Paul did just that, didn't he? He did that. These these churches in Galatia, they were the heathens. You know, that's the stock we're from. That's the stock we're from. We're, We're Gentiles in this room. Unless we have someone who has Jewish descent, but even the Jews can't trace back what tribe they're from. They've been so scattered, they don't even know what tribe they're from. But as far as I know, we're all Gentiles here. So we're of the same stock as the Galatians. I might preach them among the heathen. Think of this, too. We're reading Paul's Paul's words here. I often think of this. You know, we preachers get up and we proclaim the gospel, but... You know, Paul's preaching to you, too. <laughs> Matthew's preaching to you when we're going through Matthew. When one of the men's up reading, they're reading the words of Christ, they're reading the words of the gospel, they're reading whatever scripture. that it's, The words are being proclaimed, isn't it? My, oh, my. Jeremiah preached in the Old Testament, right? We read his words now. He's still preaching to us, isn't he? As far as we know, there was never a convert in Jeremiah's life. But I'm sure, I'm sure the Lord saved some folks through the reading of Jeremiah. I think Fawz, our, our buddy out west, he was saved by reading Jeremiah in a hotel room. Some people say, well, there ain't no preacher there. Jeremiah's preaching to him, wouldn't he? Yeah. See, we complicate things so much, don't we? Oh, my. The word has power, beloved. And we'll see this when we, we go over to 1 Thessalonians. This, this word has power. And Paul did this. The scripture says here that I might preach him among the heathen. Remember, this is the true author of these words is God the Holy Spirit. So he's telling us what Paul was called to do. And Paul did all this. He preached to the heathen just like every preacher that you know and I know we preach the gospel by the strength and the grace of God. It's not something we can do on our own. I, I know what Paul means when he says, who's sufficient for these things? There's no one sufficient for these things, but as Brother Henry said, God makes the preacher. You know, he builds us up in Christ. He gives us the gifts to proclaim the gospel. And he uses things that, we, that, that are from our past to help prepare us for that time when he calls us into the ministry. It's absolutely incredible. Before the Lord saved me, when I was a teenager, I was kind of an introvert. I had a lot of friends, but I was, I was introverted. Then in, uh, in my 20s, I got a job, or in my 30s, I got a job at a Fortune 500 company when I moved down here and I was a salesman. Well, I had to talk to people every day for eight hours a day. And, you know, my wife says now I never met a stranger. And I think part of that came from being able to talk to people real easily as a salesman. I was very successful at it um, because I was just myself, right? And I'm still just myself. You guys know what you see is what you get. You know, I'm a preacher called by grace, by God, but I'm still just Wayne, you know? and But I'm I'm saved by God, and now I want to proclaim the great things he's done for me. And But I can see how he... He took me from being introverted to being extroverted and to being able to talk to people and then put me in the ministry too. But he uses all those things in our lives too. Don't think that things in your lives didn't matter because he's used those things in your life to bring you to the point that you're at now. Every believer, I believe that happens with every believer too. It's incredible. So we can look back and go, look at the mercy that God had on me. Look how merciful. Look how full of grace he was with me. Look how long-suffering he was with me. It's absolutely incredible. It's, it's amazing how involved in our life our great God is. He knows the very hairs of our head are numbered. I can't number my hair. <laughs> but he knows every one of them. And it's the same for you, too. Every hair on our head he knows. That's, that's an intimate knowledge, isn't it? That's incredible. Just incredible. So Paul preached Christ among the heathen, and Christ was the subject of this one. Now, are we to, are we to try to try to fight sin? Yes, they overcame, um, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, right? We fight sin with the blood of the Lamb, like I said last week. But Christ is our sinless sacrifice. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. So the, the thrust, the main message of a, of a sent gospel preacher is Christ. Everything centers around him. Everything. He literally becomes, as Paul says, my all in all. And I'm sure any grace preacher you talk to would say the same thing. He's everything. You take Christ away, I have nothing. Nothing. Nothing for my eternal soul. Nothing. And the gospel centers around Christ, doesn't it? It it proclaims who he is, what he's done, and where he is right now. He's not hanging on the cross. He's, He's gone home to glory, beloved. And that same Jesus who went up that way, he coming back the same way, beloved. We just don't know when. But he will return. Sure as the sun rises, he's going to return one day. And he preached, Paul preached that Jesus Christ was very God of very God. He was God incarnate in the flesh. And he preached the things respecting Christ's office, too, that he is prophet, priest, and king, right? He covered it. He covered, he, he, Christ was the main teaching in his messages. He preached the doctrines of grace, which center around Christ, Right? how we're justified by Christ. By him, he rose for our justification. He preached about the blood of Christ, how we're redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. He purchased our eternal souls, and he obtained eternal redemption by the shedding of his blood. He preached all those things, didn't he? That we have the total forgiveness of sins, the blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. That was Paul in, in Colossians, he wrote that. And then he also wrote in Colossians, Paul wrote, and you are complete in him. And that, that complete, again, I'm going to tell you again, because I love this. In the Greek, that means you can't fill it up any further. It's filled to the brim. You can't even add a drop. Complete. You're, we're so complete in Christ that not even a drop or a pinprick of our works can be added to it. Well, because then there's no more grace, is it? See, that's, that's the message that's being brought forth there. Salvation's all of grace. From its from its planning to its execution to the glorification of God's people. Salvation's all of grace. Turn if you would to, turn if you would to First Thessalonians chapter one. And Paul preached redemption through the blood of Christ. He, he preached eternal salvation. A complete salvation. Not one that man can get and lose and get and lose. No. Salvation that's sure in Christ and him alone. And where did Paul preach these truths? Well, he preached the good news in the gospel and glad tidings to sinners. To those who were sinners by birth, nature, and choice, right? Just like us. Just like us. Wherever the Lord opened the door for him to proclaim the gospel, he proclaimed Christ. And Christ called him, and we saw in that text, he sent him to the heathen, right? So here we are, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians. Now, Thessalonica, in Thessalonica, there was a bunch of idol worshipers. They were full on pagans, they were heathens. You know? And there's still people who are idol worshipers. I came out of that. People bow before Mary's statues. That's idol worship. I'm not going to say I'm not going to pull back on that because that's exactly what it is. It's nothing but idol worship, and I came out of that. But I can have empathy with the Thessalonian people because what happened was, when the Lord saved them and they came out of that idol worshiper idol worshiping, they were persecuted heavily by their countrymen. The Scripture says. So. It'd be like the Lord saving someone out of Catholicism, and then his whole family turning against them. I heard that happen down in Mexico. Young man, the Lord saved him, and he—he uh, was—they were steeped very much so in, into um, in Catholicism. And one day, his dad came home, and he had all these statues that his dad bowed before on the table, and they were all smashed but one of them. His dad said, son, what have you done? He said, they couldn't stop me. Because they're worthless pieces of stone, dad. Well, he was ostracized and, and, and cast out by his family. But he was trying to show his dad that these were just worthless pieces of rock, stone that could not help. They couldn't do anything. So these Thessalonians, they had been persecuted heavily by their countrymen because they were staunch idol worshippers. The people in this area were staunch, just like all the heathen were. You ever watch a movie about the Romans or centurions and them, and, and they always have these little idols that they carry around with them. Same kind of stuff, just a different name. Still a piece of rock, right? A piece of stone that somebody's bowing down to. Now look at this here in in First Thessalonians chapter four or one, chapter one verses four and five. Paul's going to bring forth two truths here that are just incredible. He said, "Knowing, brother and beloved, your election of God." So right away, they're a young church, and what's he doing? People say you shouldn't teach young converts. About election, Paul's doing it right here, isn't he? He's not holding back on any of the truth. Knowing your election to God, that's choose in the Greek. They've been chosen. Look at this. I love this. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. So they didn't just hear it as words from Paul. You've heard me often say, and I'm quoting Henry when when I do this, that if my words are the only words you hear, it's not going to profit you anything. But if it comes in power, the Holy Spirit of God, it'll have an effect on us, won't it? It'll have an effect on us. So he says here, for our gospel came unto you not in word only, but also in power. And look at this, and in the Holy Ghost, there's there's where the power comes from. There's where the power comes from. The Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. He's just as much God as the Father. He's just as much God as the Son, isn't he? And just because some groups have taken him out of context, it doesn't mean that he's not God and that he's not all-powerful, is it? And we see there. So our, our us preachers, our words have no power. If you receive a blessing from the words of the preacher, it's because God... And, and think of this it's because god the holy spirit's given you ears to hear and and eyes to see christ and you and he illuminates that that so, like donnie Bell said somewhere from me speaking into your ears and into your heart the holy spirit gets a hold of that. <laughs> i like that cuz it's true and he blesses us with it right just as i sit and listen to sermons and i and I, and I get excited and I get my soul, I get tears streaming down my face at the wondrous things that Christ has done for me. My, that, that's because the Holy Spirit's taken those words, isn't he? See, in my natural state, I've just said, ah, it's the Bible thumper. Not now, though. Not now. These are words of mercy and grace, aren't they? Wonderful words. So it didn't come, didn't come as the words meant, but it came in power and in the Holy Ghost. And I like this next part, in much assurance. What an assurance we have in Christ. Our salvation is not based upon what we do. Our salvation is wholly dependent on and in Christ Jesus our Lord. So therefore, we have much assurance, don't we? Now, do we get rocked around in life? Of course we do. I am not going to lie, we do. We do you know, we get rocked around, don't we? But who's the anchor of our soul? Christ Jesus. We're, we're anchored to him. I, here's a good illustration. There was two men that were floating down the river in Niagara Falls, and if you've been to Niagara Falls, you, there's a big river that flows down. Two men were, were um, floating down this river and and they were screaming for help. And people on the shore noticed, so they, they threw a rope out so that the rope would drift to them. And they both grabbed a hold of the rope at the same time. Right? And so they started pulling in those two. And the one looked and he saw a log. Big log. Gigantic log. So he let go of the rope and he grabbed the log. Well, what happened? He perished. He went over the falls and died. But the one they pulled in because he was connected to the shore who are we connected to beloved the Lord Jesus Christ we won't go over them falls right we won't go over those falls no no we're, we're, we're in the king of kings right we're his body and he has a grip on us beloved that he'll never never let go Oh, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So these two verses here, look at that. And in much assurance, as you know, what manner of man we were among you for your sake. Now, Paul was a tent maker. When he came, he didn't ask for any money. He, he continued to do his trade while he was in the city. Didn't ask anything of them. Being a new church, he didn't ask anything. And it's amazing what the Lord did there. There's a church established amongst a bunch of heathens. Think of us. Here's a church established in Elmont, Michigan. People all around us have no care for God at all. And here we are, in here loving the gospel. Who made us to differ? It wasn't us, was it? It's God that made us to differ. Give us a love for Christ and a love for his gospel and a love for his people. It's amazing. It's just amazing. So we clearly see here in these verses that the gospel of God's free and sovereign grace of salvation in and through Christ must be preached. It must be preached because what happens is we preach the gospel and it goes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. If he so takes that and he uses it, he uses it to regenerate his people, those for whom Christ died for. How shall they hear without a preacher, right? And how shall one preach except they be sent? So Paul was a sent man of God just like every gospel preacher. We're sent by God to wherever we're supposed to be to preach and proclaim the gospel. That's that's what we are to do is to preach Christ. That's the main thrust of why I'm here. Number one, to preach the gospel. Number two, to serve you. Because I believe a preacher is a servant of the church. Just as much is anyone else? You know, I'm not sent here to lord over you all, not at all. I'm sent here to, to to preach the gospel, to lead, but also to be a servant of the body. And that's how it's supposed to be. And that's how Paul. Paul was like that. He was, when he had to speak sternly, he didn't. And he's doing that to the Galatians, right? Because of the error that's crept into the Galatian church. But later on we're going to see as we go through this book just the love that he has for these people and, and how he just brings the gospel alive and the message of God's grace alive for these people. And here we are 2,000 years ago and we're still being blessed by it, aren't we? my oh my I had a whole bunch more but I got I got off from a few things there so but isn't it, isn't it wonderful to think that the Lord saved us by his grace and his mercy and he saved us on purpose because it was his will to do so and then again think of the love of Christ think of the humility of Christ you know I've been thinking more and more about that as, as I've been studying uh, in Matthew and then and preparing for Wednesday nights. And the love that Christ had for his people is absolutely amazing. You, we, we can't even fathom it. But the humiliation is what's really standing out to me. The, the fact that the King of Glory came to this earth and he did it to save us. That's a wonder, beloved. Think upon that this week. Meditate upon that this week. The the fact that Christ humbled himself, left heaven to save your soul. It'll bless you. It'll bless you. Oh, my. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace.